Hello, everybody. We um, try again. Try again. We just uh, had a bit of a, um, a false start there. Welcome to White Line Fever Live. As I said last time, as I also said last time, if you're watching on YouTube, hit uh, subscribe. Now, our guest this week, guy we've been trying to get on the show for quite a while, it's Omar El Reis, who is uh, a data analyst, uh, tech guy, uh, a, uh, a modeler of civilizations, uh, now working at the RFL. Uh, welcome, Omar. Welcome. Thank you very much for having me, Steve. Uh, it's been a while getting here, but I'm really glad to be. Mate, tell us about the T-shirt. What's the story there? So, I thought I'd get some, you know, some cool T-shirts and stuff like that. Um, I really, I really like, really, you know, the odd type of rugby league T-shirt, the one that only a rugby league fan would understand the joke behind. <laughs> uh, a couple of weeks ago, I thought to myself, well, grand finals coming up. I'm going to be watching it in isolation. I want to try to make it make it a little bit special so i ordered this how good rugby leg shirt in memory of uh the 2020 season so loving it really really uh put all the good good shirt to wear for the podcast <laughs> yeah i know i've got to learn a bit of marketing i've got to start sort of wearing stuff that i'm selling that's i see that's what the people on youtube do now um omar some of the viewers and, and listeners who would have really appreciated that conversation about something they can't see the listeners but um uh, be curious about your background and how you, you know you're in. I tell everyone, I don't know if I did. You're in Leeds and you work at the RFL at the moment. You don't sound like someone who um, was born in this country or, or uh, was destined to work at the RFL. So um, where does where does the journey start for you and the sport of rugby league? Yes, yeah, so um, thank you very much for the introduction. And sorry I couldn't get onto the introduction last time. Uh, <laughs> My journey in rugby league, I've, I've been a rugby league man from quite a young age, really enjoyed it, you know, growing up and so on and so forth. Didn't come from a big rugby league family or anyone that even watched rugby league for that matter. Um, I went to school in the St. George area, actually, Kingsgrove High School, which is, you know, plenty of good rugby league people and players and coaches have come through that, come through that school. Played locally at um, Renowned United and the Kingsgrove Colts as my, you know, as I grew up, so and so forth, attending different games, attending you know different events. One of the biggest interests for me, particularly, is the international game. I've got I've got a real interest in the international game personally. But my club team, my NRL team, is the Canterbury Bankstown Bulldogs. So been a, been a member there since I, as soon as I could pay the bills. Uh, but I've been, you know, involved in a few different clubs and a few different NRL clubs. Never had the chance to work for the Bulldog myself, but I've had the chance to, you know, play, uh, play get, uh, work against them in, di in different areas. So what was your first job in rugby league? Is it? I don't think I can do anything about that big bit of glare in the background. Apologies, everyone. Um, what is, uh, except lean this way so you can't see it. Um, what, is, um, what was your first job in rugby league, Omar? So first in rugby league. So I went to Kingsgrove High School, as I mentioned there. Um, while that school, there was a teacher there who's quite you know popular in the rugby league community. Um, Shane Millard, God rest his soul, passed away a few years ago. He was my uh, high school teacher as well as a rugby league coach, and he kind of just said to me, "Hey mate, I'll only, uh, you know I know you're not doing fantastic academically. Why don't you come and give me a couple, uh, give me a hand on the weekend, just you know." Filling up water bottles, carrying carrying gear, so and so forth. Uh, at the time, he was the assistant coach at the North Sydney Bears SG Ball team. So went over there and 
every, every Saturday I would go fill up the water bottles and so on and so forth and I was, well, I was still at school. Uh, I did that. So just did that, you know, do odd jobs. The following year I finished, I finished high school and I went to university. I went to um, the Australian College of Physical Education. At the time, Shane had got promoted from the assistant role to the head coach role at the SG North Sydney Bears team. He said, when you come, you know, be my yellow shirt, so and so forth, get around the lads. Went there, was working as a trainer for a few years. For about two years, I was working as a trainer, just doing odd jobs while I was going to university. Went and, went and got all my special certificates, whether that be, you know, the medic ones and the massage, first aid, so and so forth. When I got my rugby league coaching accreditation, so and so forth. As the years progressed, ended up after you know four and a half years there, ended up finishing up there as the head trainer for the academy squad. So they're both the Harold Matt and SG Ball for that North TV Bears for about four and a half, five years, which was really, really fun working alongside, you know, Shane at the time and Greg Florimel was there and really, really, really good time at North TV Bears. That's where it all kicked off at North Sydney and then moved into some other roles uh, post that. Right, right. So um, what uh, what was your first sort of big NRL uh, post there, Omar? What, who did you work uh, with? First NRL, I guess the first, before I got an NRL post, I should say, I was actually involved in the international game before I got my first NRL post particularly. Um, at the time, I was Shane's son, Daryl Millard, was playing um, for the Fiji Rugby League. And I'd actually come through grade with um, the likes of like Apisar, Coruscant, and Kane Evans, so and so forth. And they were at the time playing for Fiji, so we kind of had a bit of a mutual, you know, understanding there. You know, we both they knew I was trying to get it, get a, you know, a way into the rugby league, and they were playing. They said, "Well, why don't you come run water for us for the Fiji team?" Rick Stone was the head coach at the time. He liked my stuff and told me, come on board. You're our medic trainer and ended up becoming the orange shirt for Fiji for a couple of years, which was absolutely mind-blowing. <laughs> awesome, you know. Everything from playing, you know, in fantastic, brilliant stadiums in Sydney to playing in the jungle of Fiji it was honestly a rugby league experience that you, you, I wouldn't trade in for the world. But uh, So I, did, I was there for a few years. Once I got a bit of international experience, Started getting some attraction from some of the NRL club. Um, at the time, uh, I was still at university, and the NRL were trying to encourage some universities that come into what they call the business academy. Um, I got uh, headhunted by the NRL to come join their business academy. So I was doing an internship at the NRL, but I was based out at Cronulla Sharks. That was in the 2015 year. So I was doing an internship with the NRL at the Cronulla Sharks through 2015. In the 2015. Now Sharks offered me a full-time role working in the community department. So that was my first big break into an NRL team at the end of the 2015 year. Right, and what was it like? Who were you dealing with at Cronulla at the time uh, on a daily basis? And what was your role? And how, how does the sort of data analysis um, come, into, come into your role and come into what, you, uh, what you've ended up doing in the game? Yeah. So um, the data stuff, actually, I've never done, particularly in rugby league. A lot of the data and uh, analytical stuff I've done closer to my, um, you know, career outside rugby league, more into my financial background. Mm. But when I was at the Cronulla Sharks, particularly, I was working in the community department. So I was working over a number of areas. Um, that'd be the junior league on the weekend. Uh, the women's rugby league was just kicking off, just starting women's rugby league. Uh, we started a, a touch Touch Academy, Cronulla Sharks Touch Academy. 
and the other big area we're working in was um, special populations. So we're trying to promote disability rugby league, uh, trying to promote a lot of multicultural rugby league, uh, a lot of development development stuff, trying to get into the community, into hospitals, into working with the defence force, with the police, so on and so forth, which was really cool. I must have picked a really good year because everyone wanted to be part of the Cronulla Shark in the 2016 year. We had a brilliant year, you know, working in around, I was doing a lot of work with, um, at the time, Ben Ross is now, Ben Ross now that the Cronulla Shark at the time was working at the Men of League. So I was doing a lot of work with the Men in League and Ben Ross uh, did a bit of work with um, Stuart Raper, who was also, you know, involved with the New South Wales refereeing at the time. It was a really, really cool experience, really enjoyable. A really fun year and and you know probably one of the bucket list items being part of an NRL club and getting the chocolates at the end of the, <laughs> the beginning of October. You're a bit early to be uh, a bit early for you to be filling things on, on your bucket list. People would imagine uh, um, that if you work at an NRL club, there's all sorts of juicy gossip every day, all sorts of secrets that only you know because you work there. Is it is it actually like that? Uh, I've always told not to kiss and tell. <laughs> well, you're just you're just you're just telling us whether there's anything that you do have to tell if you were going to kiss and tell. You're not actually kissing and telling. Oh, okay. <laughs> well, you, you, you can you can run back through the papers to that 2015 year, 2016 year. There's a few things that happened in those years, yeah, which which, which I'm sure uh, people uh, be happy to forget about. <laughs> They'd be happy to ask you about until uh, until until you had filled everything on your bucket list. I'm sure. Um, so, so what was it? Now, this is really interesting. Uh, I think for the viewers and listeners is that you went to the you went to the AFL. Um, um, is that was that directly yeah. after Cronulla? Because that is like a, a talk about uh, gossip. That's a peek behind enemy lines for for our audience. Well, yeah, it, it definitely. I, I jumped to some people would say the dark side, but um. I actually got to the AFL in a really roundabout way. Um, at the time, after a fish at Cronulla, one of the guys I worked with, he was working with the Philippines Rugby League and they were trying to establish uh, the inaugural competition in Asia. So I went on board and I became one of the operations managers and we started the inaugural Philippines National Rugby League, which was really awesome when I spent some time over there working there, starting a rugby league competition. Um, it's still it's still running to date, which is really good. Uh, while I was there, I, I, I did that role for a few months. I'd come back to Australia, and one of the guys I was studying with uh, when I, when I was at Norths, he was uh, got promoted and got the head head position head um, trainer position at the GWS Giants at the AFL, and he said to me, "Hey, mate, I know you you know you've left Cronulla and so forth." Um, I'm looking for someone part-time just to kind of do a lot of the strapping work, a lot of the rehab stuff and help out the physios um, during the week and then on the weekend just to, you know, run water and, uh, you know, do some, you know, soft soft tissue uh, therapy for the players post, pre and post game. To them, sure. So I went over to the Giants. I worked with the Giants for, for a year doing a contract there with their, their top squad. It was one of the most enjoyable years in the sense that I really learned a lot about what it meant to get an elite team onto the pitch. Uh, for a lot of years, I've been doing, you know, from my arm's length, been working with, you know, with rugby league teams, but I'd never seen what it would look like in another environment. The AFL um, 
particularly are very scientific in their methodology, how they go about going about their sport. There was a really, really good insight into the sports science of um, elite elite sport and then taking that back to uh, a rugby league sense. So your first, um, your next move, was that to come over here or was there something else? In yes. The so my next move, so, so I was at GWF Giants for up until the end of 2018. Uh, in For the first, and then after that, I decided in 2019, I graduated university in, in March. I packed up everything I had, sold my car, sold my motorbike, left my job and took a backpack and took a one-way ticket to London, trying to make the world more oyster. <laughs> now, let's, we'll get into a few more philosophical things now, and the, the, we've, we've, we've covered the story now. Um, um, when I first met you, you know, and, and talking to other people about you, the thing was that um, you're good at mapping out structures and pathways and, 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 and junior development, and, and you kind of know the, 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 the data and the, you know, the likelihood of a certain system working and, and a certain system falling over. And, and, you know, on social media, rugby league fans love to talk about these things. They love to argue about, you know, uh, the Wolfpack have never had, uh, they never had a Canadian in the team and it would take 20 years to produce one first grader. And, um, you know, uh, the Roosters have no juniors and, uh, you know, it's better for Melbourne to bring players in from Queensland at a certain age than to try to grow them themselves in Victoria, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So I just wonder from what you've um, um, learned from your various roles there, you know, what are some of those misconceptions? What's the truth of growing a club up from grassroots um, and, and what is the value of doing it uh, alongside just buying, you know, importing players from elsewhere um, what are the things that um, national federations do wrong uh, when they're trying to start the game? Um, um, what about the fight between the heritage players and the locals? And what's the answer to that, uh, you know, in a national team program? You must have some yeah. good insights into those issues. Yeah, well, thank you very much and for the question. It's, you know, it's a really, really, you know, there's a lot of, a lot of uh, you know, pipelines through and around that question and, I've had the opportunity to work in a number of different development systems, um, being in the South Sydney system, which was a South Sydney junior system. However, I had one NRL squad and two junior systems, being North Sydney Bears and South Sydney. Uh, also worked in, a, in, in the, the pathway system at Cronulla, which was a very you know, single-minded uh, system. And then also had the opportunity to go and work with Sydney Swans at one point, working in their academy which was, you know, vastly different as well. Because it was... A, now, to answer your question about, you know, either Toronto, for example, it took 20 years to, I um, mean, you know, get a superstar player from that place. The question I always put forward to people is, particularly you, the Melbourne Storm, for example, and the, um, the Roosters, for example, it's all well and good to have junior, junior uh, come through your system, and it's always a good love story, but... Particularly in elite sport, the business is about winning. It's not about making people feel good. Uh, so you can, it's always good to have a you know, nice story about a junior coming through the system. But when you get to that elite level, it's all about buying wins and buying people that fit the mould that you need to achieve that process. So there's no difference, I believe, between you know, a stockbroking business or a construction company 
or a rugby league team for that matter. In the sense, you're buying the right trades for the right jobs. So the way I like to look at it is you've got to build uh, with all the right ingredients to, 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 make, to make that work, whether that be a list of heritage players and a few, a few younger players, having a whole all the Penrith system that worked this year with a whole bunch of um, development players that come through together or buying whole, uh, a few, you know, real good, strong, uh, strong leaders like the Melbourne Storm do have, you know, their, their strong, strong top tier and a few of the lower tier players. There's no one structure that fits all, but the one key thing that I believe that overrides any, any purchasing of players or purchasing of staff for that matter is you have to have a communal and collaborative approach to everything. Nothing works in isolation. I explain to you what I mean by that. It's all it's all well and good to have all the best players, but if you have a lot of all the best players and none of them gel together or none of them fix fix um, a problem in a collaborative uh, collaborative manner, it's always going to be clash. And it's once you when something starts to clash, there's always divots. So it's it's I find particularly with a junior system bringing it in from a lower. Like a younger age through to the top, if everyone's working to the same stream, everyone has the same understanding of what's expected of them. Not, I'm not talking game plan or what's being done on the field. I'm talking about what it means. You, you know, that you're, for example, a young player, they die on the weekend. Um, for you know, for a young, uh, an, an older person, maybe you know, still maintaining that politeness and that manner, than removing that ego, or that arrogance in and around, because people are incredible. And players are even more incredible in their physique, in their physical attributes. If they all believe in the one system and all working together, it's always easier to work. It's always easier to, to work to a particular goal. So, to answer your question in regards to Toronto or the Melbourne Storm or the Roosters, I mean, the, the the key point, I guess, is you got to buy the you got to buy the right you got to buy the right ingredients to fit together. That you know that make the larger project easier to work with. So um, you got over here and you got yourself a job at the RFL. Um, can you tell us a little bit about um, that role you have there and then how the, um, you know, the COVID-19 crisis has impacted on everyone at the RFL and, and yourself as well in a new job? Yeah, definitely. So um, I, I, I've come over to, the, to Leeds. I came here in March. Uh, COVID hit hard midway through March. So I was at the office in Red Hall for uh, eight days before we went into complete lockdown. So that's been a bit, it's been a bit difficult trying to do my role there, you know, not knowing a lot of the staff, not knowing a lot of the environment, and um, particularly those who follow the English um, and UK rugby league, there's been a lot of changing schedules and um, cancellation of games and, we had a test series coming against Australia in the year that's no longer um, available. It's, it's been uh, cancelled at the moment, which was, you know, a really, really exciting prospect for the European market. Uh, my role particularly, I work in the customer space. So uh, my role currently is in around ticketing, um, the Our League app and uh, registrations of the weekend, the registration um, system of the weekend league. However, at the moment, with the whole lockdown, there's not a lot of weekend rugby league going. Um, with the whole lockdown and coronavirus, there's not a lot of people buying tickets into games. 
the big area and also the other big area is refunding a lot of those people and you know rearranging you know tickets for those people so that's that's the project i've been working on for the last few weeks and a few months about how we can then um, reimburse those customers that who've purchased tickets and how we can uh, move them to seats for the following year the 2021 season we've just seen our league in the news in the last 24 hours with uh you know the catalans fans complaining that they wouldn't be able to watch this week's sudden death final uh and then subsequently um, that's been fixed just the, this morning. Um, so is our league, uh, is for people who don't really understand what that is, it's an app that the RFL have, uh, which um, had, has a lot of functionality, but one of the things it has is that it shows games. So when there's games are behind closed doors this year, there was an opportunity for season ticket holders to get a code and they could watch the games um, without having to buy a Sky subscription, basically. Uh, however, right. however, it got to the finals and apparently the rules were different and the arrangement with Sky was different. Can you just talk us through being on the other end of the phone, you know, when people <laughs> are ringing up saying, why can't I watch my team play? I mean, that's got to be, you've got to have a fair bit of patience there. Oh, uh, definitely. You've got to have a fair bit of patience. But the, the word I, I, I prefer to use over the patience is a lot of empathy, a lot of empathy, because I know for myself, there's nothing that makes me more enjoyable than a rugby league game. You know, I, that's, I look forward to it. I, I, if there's not a day that goes past, I'm not reading a news article, not a, not a weekend that doesn't go past that I'm not watching a game or trying to find, you know, some sort of live rugby league, whether it be, you know, a top-level NRL match to watching, you know, the, the women's that are origin, which is on the end of the week, through to, you know, an under-16 game that's been streamed on the New South Wales Rugby League website. I love it. So I've got a whole heap of empathy for these people that want to watch the Catalans play or watch, you know, the whole play or who, or even Leeds Rhinos play, any of, the, any of those teams, you know. It's something that they really want to do and it's something they look forward to to the week. So you, ta- you, ta- you take what they're saying and you say, to them, look, I would be in the same position. I wouldn't be too happy either. Let us put it on our to-do list and I'm here to service you. So I'll, I'll, I'll make all the right calls and all the right adjustments see if we can get a win-win um, arrangement for, for both for yourself and for, for us so we don't have to hear people being disappointed at the rugby league at any point. Now, I know that, uh, Omar, you're not going to criticise your own employers, so we'll, we'll exclude the RFL from this, but what would you like to see as a rugby league fan and as someone who's worked, you know, in, in um, you know, two clubs and, uh, and then an AFL club and now a governing body? What's the one thing you'd like to see the game do better or the one improvement that you think could be made that perhaps doesn't cost too much money, it's just down to people understanding things better? Yeah, um, I'd say there's two points that I really like in rugby league. I, something I learned when I was at the AFL, they, um, the, one of their biggest mantras is AFL needs to look like AFL, mm. right? So... I think rugby league, we sometimes get a bit excited and we try too many new things mm. and we lose the concept and the core of rugby league. Now, I'm not advocating people to get, you know, upset at each other or angry at each other. But my favourite thing about rugby league is just tribalism. And it's the my team versus your team, my country versus your country, my, my, my area versus your area. And that's something I think we've become, we've, we've started to lose. Mm. There's no more tribalism in the rugby league game. And I'm talking not only in a, in a club level, I'm talking even at a national level. We've, you know, 
let's promote some of these uh, Pacific Island teams, like the Fiji, the Samoa, the Tonga, the Papua New Guinea. Let's really ramp up that international game, get it to the same level as that of a England versus um, New Zealand or a New South Wales versus Queensland. Uh, let's get let's get a real festival of rugby league. I think there's a lot of uh, development, a lot of interest in trying to, you know, play with the play with the elite level rugby league club stuff. But we're not putting the same type of effort and emphasis on the international game. Mm-hmm. So that's that's something I really enjoy about rugby league. Is it's, it's multiculturalism and the tribalism of country to country, area to area. So that's some, an area I think we could we could do a lot more in, and we can really uh, capture a new audience in fan wise. Okay, Omar, it's been a great journey for you so far. What, what is this all part of a grand plan, or are you just sort of sort of uh, shuffling along, seeing what opportunities present themselves? What, what's next for you? Yeah, um, that's pretty much it. Yeah, you're shuffling <laughs> along, chasing the dream. You know, I'm someone who always, you know, I believe life is for the living. To chase, chase what you want to do. I, I'm living my dream. I decided as a young kid. I want to be involved in rugby league. I want to be involved in, in sport. So I've just chased that wherever it is, whether it be in Sydney, the Philippines, through to the Fiji. I'm now in the UK, in Leeds. So I'm just going to keep enjoying myself, live my life live my life to the fullest and take, take, take the wins when they come and um, learn from the losses. But I haven't had any yet. Yes, I'm stuck in a pandemic, but I'm... Talking to Steve Mascot, we're halfway across the country and we're still talking rugby league. Doesn't matter whether the sun's up or the sun's down. That's right. And uh, hopefully there's people watching on about 12 Facebook pages. Um, okay, it's been, a, it's been a pleasure, Omar. Thanks very much. We've been talking about this for a while. And uh, everyone, don't forget that uh, if you want to support the program, it's patreon.com forward slash white line fever. See you next week. Goodbye, Omar. See you later. Have a good rugby league, guys.